Get ready to experience the pulse of the outdoor community as we dive into the stories of people's journeys into the outdoor world. If you're enjoying this podcast so far, please go give my social medias a like, share, and a follow so that you can keep up to date with the most recent episodes and other things going on with this podcast. Thank you very much, and let's get into this episode. Cool. Hello, and welcome to the Outdoor Pulse. I'm your host, Mitch Dean. Today we have on David Roth. He went to Ohio State University and is into skiing, mountain biking, and a bunch of other outdoor activities. So how's it going, David? Pretty good, Mitch. Uh, Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, Um, yeah, looking forward to, uh, you know, talking about some of the stuff I do outside in the the woods and in the backcountry. Awesome. Yeah, so let's start off with just kind of how you got into the, your first kind of dipping your toe into the outdoor community and what kind of got you interested in it in the first place. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, like in high school and a little earlier, I was always kind of into fishing. Um, I didn't really do too much camping or anything else back then though. Um, but I really was interested in getting into it. Um, so going into college, uh, I went online on the Ohio State website, uh, looking at all the clubs we had and the different activities that were offered, um, just to kind of see what outdoor clubs um, we had that uh, kind of fit what I wanted to do. So I found like mountaineering club, I found ski team, sailing team, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I was, you know, really excited to get into it. So I kind of wrote all those down on my list to um, go visit the table at the activity fair and get into it. Um, and then I did kind of my first real camping trip for, uh, I think the entire week leading right up to the day before I moved into my college dorm freshman year. Um, so that was kind of a hectic trip, but I went with my buddies. Um, it was a great time. Kind of got my foot uh, dipped in the pond of uh, uh, like backpacking and just camping in general. I hadn't really done that much before. Um, and after that, I really was hooked. So I joined mountaineering uh, straight off the bat freshman year, went on my first trip, I think like a month later um, to Red River Gorge in Kentucky um, to do some climbing uh, with some of the older members in the club. And uh, you know, I just really liked the vibe and the experience and the people were great on, uh, I just kind of knew that's what I wanted to continue doing and um, start building some skills and obviously a gear cache after that. So start dropping some money on things. Um, and from there, I just started adding on other sports. Uh, I skied a bit as a kid, um, but once I hit college, I started going on a lot more trips for that. Um, so I got really into skiing. Uh, after that, I got into mountain biking, did some backpacking, uh, and then Let's see, I think the start of my junior year, uh, we for the climbing wall on campus, I decided to pick up a job there because I had accumulated friends uh, who worked there over my uh, tenure going to climb at the, at the gym. And um, so I picked that up, started working there, climbing a lot more, and then uh, eventually became a trip leader uh, as kind of a good way to uh, one, just build those outdoor technical skills, but also there's a great way to get out, get on some free trips to really cool places like uh, sea kayaking in the Everglades for 10 days um, and a lot of other places. And, you know, I've been going strong ever since then. Awesome. Yeah, no, the Mountaineers at Ohio State is, they're, they're such a great resource for getting into all of those things. And uh, that first trip, that was the big free climb, right? Uh, yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they have that every year. That's awesome. A great way to get some of the new members kind of a little bit the gumbies out there and teaching them how to clean the clean the anchors, get them up on a rope for the first time outside. Yeah, it was a yeah. great experience. I think that was I went on the big free climb uh, my second year that I was into climbing, but okay. it wasn't my first year. So I was more helping people get on ropes after my first time outside was I went out down the Red River Gorge with a mm-hmm. couple of friends that knew what they were doing and they kind of showed me the ropes a little bit for the outdoor climbing after okay. I kind of gotten into it up at Ohio State. So yeah, Ohio was... State has that free wall that is, well, not free. It <laughs> comes with your tuition. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but. nothing here is free. But yeah, I uh, yeah, you yours was a little bit different then, because yeah, I was basically just got into climbing, so I didn't know anything yet. I was a total novice, and like, it, I I was so out of my depth going out there that I even uh, I didn't have climbing shoes with me, so I literally brought at the time I had um, a set of Sperry water shoes that I had been wearing for a long time. So they were already like super worn down on the rubber and everything. But I was like, those are my tightest fitting shoes. And then I, I actually, I was, it was so janky. I took uh, duct tape and I actually wrapped it around the shoes to squeeze down on my foot, and make them tighter. And then I climbed a crack up the wall um, that one of the other guys had set up. And it was just like, oh, it, like looking back at that now, I, I would laugh so hard if I saw someone doing that out there. It was just... <laughs> borderline hey. embarrassing but i didn't know better back then so hey we're from the midwest we don't have exactly easy access yeah. so we just kind of throw ourselves at it and learn as we yeah. go it's definitely a different experience which i've had a couple people on now from the midwest and just getting into the outdoors in the outdoor environment like this from the midwest is just a whole different thing than someone that grew up in like colorado or in the mountains and had like super easy access to the outdoors mm -hmm. Oh, I know. I sometimes I almost feel like it makes it in a way it makes us hungrier for it even because we we have to actively go out to and like seek it out um to go get those experiences. Um, you know, maybe we're not always the as technical as some of the guys out there, um, especially with like things like skiing. But other than that, you know, I, I've I don't know, I've met a wide variety of people um from around the country and like I don't know, the Midwesterners, like when we get a taste of it and we're into the, and we get into those outdoor sports, it's, it's hard to stop us from just, you know, yeah. getting out there and, and trying to go on as many trips as we possibly can. Exactly. Yeah. The, the first time I went climbing outside, I remember, I thought I was hooked before. And then I was like, okay, if I wasn't hooked before, I'm definitely hooked now. That, that first <laughs> oh, trip yeah. outside is just kind of like, I can't see myself not doing this. I need to find when, when can I get down here next? When am I going again? when's the next trip it was instant love once I got outside it was it's a whole different experience than climbing inside oh yeah definitely like I would say when I I, I when, when I really got uh hooked on doing bigger trips to get out there I think was uh I think it was it was freshman or sophomore year uh, I went on the, our mountaineers the Moab spring break trip um and I didn't even go with the actual Mountaineers vans. Uh, one of the uh, one of the old uh, he used to work at the Outdoor Adventure Center um, where I worked. Uh, but years earlier, he was a really old member, but friends with some of the senior Mountaineers. Um, he had posted, you know, I, I'm planning on going out to Moab, taking a separate vehicle. We're gonna go um, skiing for the last couple of days. And so I just decided, like, that sounds pretty fun. Um, get to do some skiing in Colorado. Um, so that was my first time doing any sort of big mountain skiing. Um, and I was kind of like, ooh, I'm hooked. Didn't know any of the guys in the car whatsoever. <laughs> um, but I just kind of, I guess that happened with me with Big Free Climb too, actually. But um, so yeah, I, I hopped in the van. That thing was like pretty much broken down. We drove it all the way cross country out there, all the way back. Um, and yeah, it was just like a great experience did a lot of uh, pretty cool outdoor climbing out there on sandstone, never done that before. Um, I think I, I cleaned my first trad routes, uh, used, I had bought a rope for it, used that for the first time. So it was really my first time like really getting out and using a lot of my own gear. Um, and then of course, like I said, we, we went skiing for the last couple of days and I was like, wow, <laughs> we do not have mountains like this in the Midwest. Yeah. This is just so much better. And then um, I got horrible sunburn and everything on that trip. It was, ex it was honestly, it was excruciating, but I was just so hooked on it. I was ready to get right back out there. Yeah. No, the first time skiing is, I, my dad took me out for my first time out west to Steamboat. Steamboat was my first uh, uh, trip out here. And it beautiful place. Uh, their back bowl is pretty cool. Uh, but after I went out there, I, I was like, okay, how, how do I get out there through Ohio State? And I ended up going out with the ski club for the next uh, three years, I think. So okay. I went out with all their trips out to Aspen and all of that. And it was, like you said, you're, you're instantly hooked and you just figure out a way to make it work and get out there. So 
That was actually a big regret of mine was never going on one of those ski team trips. I I, I decided I, I always had to decide between the Moab trip or that. And I was like, yeah. well, I'm climbing down Red River Gorge all the time, doing all these other things. Skiing, I only get one trip out west. And it was either the Moab trip or the ski trip. And I always chose the ski trip instead. Yeah. So but I always wanted to go, them, go on the Moab trip, but I'm planning on getting out there kind of soon just to go because I'm so close to it now. Yeah. Well, not so close, but it's a lot closer <laughs> than the 25 hours from here for yeah. sure. So exactly. Yeah. I, uh, my, I think the decider for me was that I didn't have any of my own ski gear yet, actually. Um, you know, I didn't even have goggles. I, um, I had like all my old winter stuff, so it really wasn't that great. So I decided, okay, I either have to drop a bunch more money on gear that I don't have because I'm, you know, a poor college kid or, um, you know, I'd already accumulated enough to go climbing. Uh, so I just decided, let's, let's go do that. But, exactly. Yeah. Now gear is one of those things you slowly gain more and more of as you get further into everything. And next thing you know, you have half my rooms all gear here. So, <laughs> yeah, that's actually always been a dream of mine eventually is uh, when I'm like, when I settle down, I pick that house um, to raise my family and I want to hopefully have a room in there. Uh, it doesn't have to be huge, but I definitely want a room. I can just totally turn into um, just a personal gear room. I've got all my skis on the wall, my bikes, racks full of climbing gear, trad rack, um, all my scuba stuff, literally just, you know, you, I go in there and I could you know, even pull stuff out for friends, but I just want that one room I can walk in and look around and be like, just have everything I need. Okay, so we're going to take a quick step back into your time at Ohio State and okay. all those uh, kind of things that you kind of got into with, because you were, you said that you were a trip leader for a while, and yeah. obviously you were working at the climbing wall, and what, what kind of uh, skills and things did you kind of get into through that, because that sounds like it led you to a couple different things besides like the normal, you know, skiing and climbing. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, you get a lot of leadership skills. That's first and foremost, the biggest thing, you know, you're leading a lot of times people who have either never been in the back country or have never really gone outdoor climbing or, um, you know, people who have maybe done it a couple of times, but really want to learn how to be self-sufficient. Um, so you take them out there, you lead them through this trip for a weekend or up to 10 days, depending on what trip it is. Um, and every single day, you know, you're teaching different skills and at, over the course of whatever trip it is, um, you kind of, you help them build those skills, you let them try it. And so, you know, by the end of a weekend of backpacking, they're cooking their own meals. They're setting up and taking down their own stove. No one's, you know, burning themselves. They just know how to work everything. Um, and so it's really fun teaching those lessons. Uh, I, I definitely learned how to use a variety of different camp stoves a lot better, um, do maintenance on them. Uh, just kind of also the proper ways of doing, of you know, going out in the backcountry and um, using leave no trace principles. So not, uh, you know, digging your holes in the ground and burying things or depending on, I guess, where you are, but, uh, or like spreading out any of the spare food or eating as much as possible. So you're not leaving any sort of trace behind or like attracting bears at night, for instance. Um, a lot of skills like that. Uh, so I really just got to learn also even just gear maintenance. I didn't have any of that skill uh, before I started becoming a trip leader, but um, you know, I would go in the gear room and check stuff before we gave it out to the participants. So if there's holes in the tents or sleeping bags, you know, we'd patch them up. Uh, when we got back, we would do the same. Um, it was just, it, it, it really helped me become a totally self-sufficient um, backcountry outdoorsman. And uh, yeah. I, I still use those skills every time I go out. Yeah, I know the, the Mountaineers trips were always we're a little bit more thrown together than uh, the, the <laughs> actual ones that were the official ones hosted by the university through the, uh, what, what was the name of the center again? It's the, Oh, uh, the outdoor adventure the, center. The, the, o, the OAC. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. So, and it 
sounds like if someone's looking to kind of get into and start into like the outdoor industry, even it would be a good idea for them to, if they're in college, look for their outdoor probably program and try and get in there then. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I guess you've got multiple, a lot of schools will have those uh, outdoor clubs and those are great to join. You're just making friends who like the same things you do or are trying to get into the same things. Um, And yeah, learning skills, especially if you want to um, really get, really learn how to, like I said, how I became self-sufficient, we make you self-sufficient too. Um, So yeah, going to your local, outdoor adventure center or whatever it's called at your college and just seeing what kind of trips they lead uh, and signing up for one great way to start uh just kind of start on your outdoor journey uh i had people who had just never camped before even in their backyard um and they'd come out for a weekend and you know they'd leave some it wasn't for everyone but a lot of people would leave just kind of wanting to go on the next trip uh i think we had one guy who went on like 18 of our back packing trips which is just absurd um we were even like why are you not leading them on yourself by yourself now like you've got all your all the skills you've got some of your own stuff like just get out there yeah um but yeah i know when i first got to ohio state it was the spring of my freshman year i ended up going on the Grayson highlands trip um and we ended up getting we ended up getting a freak spring snowstorm that dumped like a foot of snow on us so oh, really? <laughs> well we, we knew it was coming be- like it was in the weather forecast but it mm-hmm. went from like super nice weather to just covered in snow overnight so i i thought it was awesome a few of the people were obviously miserable but <laughs> i was out there like the the environment went from no snow on the ground and just kind of being and then to just a total change of landscape was yeah. super cool to kind of see that was actually one of the backpacking trips I led and honestly one of my favorite ones too. Um, Grayson's really cool between the horses or like, yeah, there's a, there's, even when it's nice weather, the terrain changes multiple times throughout the course of the weekend. And yeah, that's a really cool place. Um, I, I, ever since I've been wanting to go back, but I just, I haven't been able to get out there yet. Yeah. So no, that's really cool that you did that. Yeah it's a beautiful place it's somewhere that i feel like a lot of people don't know about because when i mention it they're like what's that i'm like oh it's this place in between like north carolina west virginia and virginia i isn't that yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. but yeah no beautiful beautiful area so through the uh oac did you end up getting any like of the because i know some of the uh i knew some people had like their Knowles classes and stuff like Mm -hmm. that too and the outdoor uh first responder courses and things like yeah. that did you end up getting any of those well there or did you? i actually did not um i really wanted to do the my the woofer the wilderness first responder yeah. um but uh it was always either during spring break so usually i was on a, one trip yeah. or another uh or it was during i think winter break um and like no 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 it was summer maybe i don't know uh either way i was generally on a trip or just not available so i was never able to do it um i had some medical knowledge in general um and especially for uh, some medical skills when you're out in the backcountry so i used those but um no that's another great way like if you're especially if you're trying to go out and really become self-sufficient be comfortable um that's a great uh, great course to take, uh, you know, in case somebody gets hurt, even yourself, um, just kind of knowing how to troubleshoot and um, keep everybody safe, get them back out in one piece, or I guess in as you know, as yeah. close to one piece as possible. But uh, yeah, I never, long story short, I never got to do any of those. So of your time at Ohio State, what was your favorite trip that you ended up going on while there then? Uh, through the OAC? Uh, just in general. In I general. mean, through the Mountaineers, OAC, personal trip, whatever it was. That's so tough. There, <laughs> there's so many that were so good for a lot of different reasons. Um, some of them were fun just honestly because of how miserable a couple nights were. And it was like, wow, this was this was some type two fun. <laughs> um, I guess for those of you that don't know what type two fun is, it's like uh, uh, I... So type one is like going on a roller coaster. Type two is 
man, last night got down to 10 degrees in my tent and I froze my butt off. But, uh, um, you know, it was a good experience. I just don't really want to do it again. Um, but then you end up going and yeah. doing it again at another yeah. time. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, and you're like, go I've back been here before. It. I knew how bad it was, but whatever. Um, but yeah, anyways, to answer your question, um, honestly, one of the most unique trips I was on, at least, was uh, the, that Everglades trip that I briefly mentioned earlier. Uh, so that was my first really big trip as a leader uh, through the Outdoor Adventure Center. Um, and it's a 10 day trip to this down to this area called 10,000 Islands in Florida. Um, you go, you launch your kayaks out of Everglades city. Uh, and it's not like in the swamps or anything down there of the Everglades. It's just outside on the coast. So it's in the Gulf of Mexico in the salt water. Um, and you're basically just paddling, um, and like Island hopping from one mangrove Island to another for 10 days. We camped on the beaches. Um, you saw sharks, turtles, manatees, uh, fish, dolphins, uh, the occasional alligator uh, when you were a little bit closer to inland. Um, but yeah, there was just such a cool, unique experience because I had never really camped on an island before. You know, sea kayaking in the ocean was also something I'd never done. Um, there's one location there that's super special. Um, and it's a larger island out there called Panther with a channel that goes through it. And if you get up at like 3 or 4 a.m. Um, and paddle it, there's bioluminescence in the water. So every paddle stroke, it just oh, yeah. like lights up this beautiful green color. Um, so you've got one. like that. Yeah, you've got yeah. that going on. And all the you see the uh, moonlight flashing off all the raccoons at the shore watching you and it was just like really cool experience um, yeah the, the bioluminescent algae i i went into a lagoon down in uh jamaica it had blue it was a blue one and you jumped in you could see the outline of like your hand uh lighten up in the cool. water and it was yeah so anytime that you can get that like algae that lights up so it was green down there in the everglades in that area yeah it's a green yeah one. like really bright like a lime green kind of or like the hulk <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it was just absolutely awesome um i had a run-in with a with a shark our first night paddling in it hit my kayak and i like <laughs> launched out of the water a little bit it was just like overall it's just such a cool experience gotcha and then I know at least at Ohio State, it's it's a great way to kind of get into it and all those different things. It, it All those trips were very, very uh, affordable. Yeah. Yeah, definitely um, pretty affordable. And the, the, the great part about it, too, is it, it includes all of the gear you need. Um, obviously, the instructors and all of our just large pop full of knowledge. Um, and then... Uh, like food too. We, we go pick out all the food and generally you've got like a pretty good menu going, you know, you're not eating granola bars the whole time you're out there. We we're always cooking meals and um, keeping it interesting. Gotcha. So we'll move on from like the college time and all mm -hmm. that and like kind of how you've grown into your current outdoor activities and sports and which ones you've kind of focused in on now that you're, you've kind of graduated and working and everything and how you work around that so for sure um so i guess i should start uh at the end of college um i i started getting really into mountain biking uh, that was a very personal sport for me um i didn't uh i didn't do it too many or, or i didn't really get into it like through mountaineers or anything i just went out with a couple friends one day um who were bikers and I just instantly fell in love. I actually, I, I mountain bike literally one time and then I knew I loved, was gonna love it so much and wanna do it so often that I, I literally just started already looking for what bike to buy. And I, I bought it after my first outing um, and I was going all the time. So um, just through the end of college, I was going out probably a couple of days a week, hitting the trails um, and I've done it since then as well in Detroit. Um, it's still one of my favorite sports. Uh, I've, I've done some downhill now out in Colorado at the resorts. And uh, after I finished college, uh, right after I left for a five-week trip around uh, Western Europe and Central Europe, um, and I got to do some biking in Switzerland. And um, just overall, the, it's just such a great feeling. You know, climbing's got that, like, very zen, 
um, you're, you're kind of in your own bubble on the wall kind of feeling um, and nothing, where nothing else really matters at the time. Yeah. But for, uh, um, for biking, it's just, uh, you know, faster paced. You're, you're hearing the trees and the birds as you're flying through the woods. And it's just, it's a very free feeling. Um, at the same time, you know, it's, it's all foot power. So it's all you doing it too, which is just, I, I just love sports like that. Um, so it's a little bit more like, uh, which I would say the feeling's a little bit more like uh, the skiing where you're out there. And, yeah. yeah. So it's a little more of the ski feel versus the climbing feel, which is like you said, if anyone's never been climbing in like hard climbing, if you're doing a hard route, you just kind of lose yourself on the wall and just kind of like zone out into it where I feel like when you're doing like, I've not really gotten into mountain biking, but with, with skiing, I know when you're going fast down the hill, you just kind of get that like hyper-focus almost and oh, yeah. you notice everything around you. And even though you're going fast, it's like you, you notice everything happening. Yeah, to a degree, I almost feel like it's um, for, for all you uh, like long distance runners and marathon runners out there, you know, this feeling, I forget what the term is, but uh you know basically after you've been running for a while you're miles in you kind of just get into this zone and you almost forget about all the past few miles behind you and it's just like um you just i think they call it the flow um and yeah that's exactly what i feel a lot of times when i'm skiing big mountain or um you know on a nice bike circuit it's just you, you get so zoned in and hyper focused on on your settings and it's just like everything just seems to kind of function uh very smoothly and um i don't know everything just comes together and, and you're like you know hitting your lines you're you're picking a good route and it's just it, it just feels so good you know you feel the wind and you know. it's kind of like the bike or the skis are like an extension of your body and yeah yeah so i know exactly what the feeling is it's 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 great and just being able to have that feeling out in the middle of the wilderness is a special experience. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like a lot of people, um, which getting into these sports, I, I'd say uh, finding someone to, to go out with is probably the easiest thing to do and kind of have them show you the ropes and kind of help you through the process more than anything else. Yeah, I've actually, so I've found that, you know, if, if there's something that you love um, and you're really passionate about it, you know, if you're really into skiing or like, uh, or scuba diving or anything like that, um, you know, just talking to your friends about it and sharing stories with them and letting them see just the, the light in your eyes as you talk about these things and just getting super excited about them. Um, I, I've seen that it tends to make them very excited about it too. Um, so uh, for instance, I, I got, I've gotten pretty into scuba diving now. Um, and I mentioned it to some of my buddies and talking about trips and things. And, um, I just got three of them, uh, in a week ago or two weeks ago to, to sign up for their open water certification course. They all were like, this is cool. I want to do this with you. Um, so they all signed up, dropped the money and they're, they're getting certified. So yeah, it's just, I, I love breeding that, that love for outdoor adventure and other people. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, especially with those sports where it is, it, it's not hard to get into, but it can seem mm -hmm. a little bit daunting because it's like these big outdoor things that have a little bit of a fear aspect to them and it's a little bit intimidating. So having someone going up to your friends and kind of showing them that it's not that intimidating and kind of helping, helping them see that there's a pretty easy path to getting into it is very helpful for people. Absolutely. And the great thing about living in the 21st century is, you know, even if you don't have someone to ask, you've got the internet. Um, there's forums, yeah. there's, there's an infinite number of places to go look up, um, you know, how to do things or even just watch instructional videos. Um, but yeah, it's just, just my biggest advice is really just start getting out there. If you want to do yeah. something, don't make an excuse why you can't do it. Just go out for your first time. And after that, the rest just becomes butter. You just keep yeah. going. So with scuba diving, when did you get into that again? Exactly. Uh, so I had always wanted to do it for a really long time. Um, and so 
because uh, one of my dreams as a kid was swimming with dolphins in the ocean. And so uh, that was kind of what started it. And let's see. So I actually, my the summer after my freshman year of college, uh, I went to uh, Israel on, on a trip with my family. And, uh, you know, before we went, my parents were like, all right, everyone just pick one activity that you want to do while we're out here and, I, and we'll do it. And so naturally I said, let's go scuba diving. Um, so they've got the Red Sea uh, right at the southern tip. Um, and there's just, it's some of the best diving in the world. It's very clear water, you know, uh, for part of like one of the seasons every year, you, there's whale sharks that come in. It's just a really cool place. Um, but I went diving there for my first time. Um, it was only 20 feet. Um, so there was nothing super crazy, but just being down there and being in that totally like foreign world and breathing underwater while you're floating around the place, just staring at fish. It's just, I don't know. There's just something very surreal and special about it to me. So, um, uh, so that was kind of my first little taste of it. And then, uh, spring break, one of the years of college, I went to Mexico with some buddies and we all scuba dived there once, um, still wasn't certified and then uh let's see about a year and a half ago now uh so i've i was already living up in detroit after college and uh, i i just found a class that was you know a price that i was willing to spend and uh i signed up for my open waters and i i just on my own and i went and got certified over the course of a couple weekends and um this past summer actually i I got my uh, advanced open water uh, certification. So, um, you know, I decided I want to keep being able to dive deeper and deeper. And, um, you know, I bought a bunch of gear now too. I've got my own setup. Uh, some of it is hand-me-down equipment, saved me a lot of money. Um, but yeah, now I've got everything I need and I'm just kind of getting more and more excited to, to go out and dive. Um, I'm actually, I just started planning a trip out to Costa Rica with one of my buddies to, to dive with uh the sharks before the season is well. awesome <laughs> yeah yeah so uh how much are the courses for that usually and i know that they're kind of all around like in a bunch of cities as long as you yeah. have like a body of water near you uh are is yeah. there any like facilities that are in like cities that are a little bit more landlocked or uh yeah mm -hmm. yeah it. so um uh, a lot of places do have them uh Pretty much all you need, for instance, for open water diving is uh, you need your, a pool somewhere. Um, generally, you do a couple dives in your, your closed water at the pool um, where they teach you your basic skills, you practice your buoyancy, things like that. And then you'll go out and like, most places have a quarry that was dug at some point, unfortunately. <laughs> However, the benefit of that is they fill it in with water and turn it into a cool dive site where they'll sink old boats or like cannons or put little totems at the bottom just gotcha. cool things to look at and you know all you really need is that um and you just sign up for your course it's really easy to see if there's a scuba shop around but i would say most cities that have any sort of body of water around um will probably have at least one scuba shop and if not you can always do half your course and then go on a vacation somewhere and finish it up somewhere else you just get a little like um you get your your logbook for diving signed and stamped and it says you know you're halfway done with the course and you take it out there and um and you just finish it on you know your vacation to the caymans or the keys or really where you know wherever you're going gotcha cool and then i know that you're you said that you just got your backcountry set up not too long ago with uh yeah. skiing so how long ago did you because i know that you're a pretty pretty deep into skiing and you make a bunch yeah. of trips out west every year so we can yeah. kind of start diving into that since I feel like that's one of your uh more extensive sports <laughs> <laughs> yeah I would say uh skiing I always had a love for skiing so my dad if there's one sport he ever really did it was skiing so uh he actually went to Ohio State as well um and he was on ski team he skied with them every year so I grew up with some stories from the team and it was always so cool um so he'd take me out maybe once or twice each winter um when I was younger but there's a really long stint that I didn't ski 
Um, I think the first time after like four or five years was on that trip out to Moab and then we skied at Copper Mountain in uh, Colorado after that. Um, and then afterwards, uh, my best friends growing up actually went to Colorado State. Uh, so I always had a place to go fly out and um, you know stay uh, in college. So later on, eventually I bought my first set of skis you know, not, nothing super crazy, just a pair of uh, Strider Rossignols um, and just kind of the basic setup that I needed. Um, yeah, and uh, I'd go out there, stay with them. We'd probably go drive out to Silverthorne, which is a little town like a half hour away from a bunch of the major resorts um, outside of Denver. And we would just stay there at a cheap hotel, cram in for the weekend for like 50 bucks. Um, and then start skiing and I just got obsessed with big mountain it's just so much fun on um, you know I started getting into jumps a little bit a lot of tree skiing um and since then it's just uh now uh, luckily a lot of my friends in Detroit also really like skiing and boarding so now we've kind of grown into like 20 20 man trips where we've got all three condos booked and yeah. um like last year we had I think 26 people all go to Jackson Hole in Wyoming uh, for like four days. And we had a couple condos next to each other in the village and um, just some of the coolest skiing I've done. And, uh, you know, I decided resorts are great. You know, you get on a lift, it takes you up. You don't really have to put in too much effort other than skiing down, which I guess can be a lot of effort. But uh, I just, uh, I, I've always been a big fan of just getting away from the people, you know, getting yeah. away from the roads and cars and um, things that remind me of society and just getting out where it's just me in the wilderness. And so I decided uh, this past winter, uh, I got a good opportunity. Uh, one of my friends, she was uh, worked for one of the outdoor programs out in uh, for a college outside of Salt Lake called Weber State. And uh, every year they run a couple uh, avalanche safety courses or the yeah, area courses, one. Yeah. yeah. And so she was able to get me a really good discount on it and all the gear that I needed. So I went out really cheap. Um, it cost me, I think like 300 bucks. Um, and I, I did the area one course, got a little bit of backcountry skiing in. Um, and I was like, all right, this is, this is pretty great. I'm going to start uh, buying some gear and get really getting into it. And um, uh, unfortunately with backcountry skiing, it's harder to buy piece by piece. You kind of have to get everything yeah. at once just because you need your beacon, your probe, your shovel, all the safety equipment. But uh, yeah, I bought everything. And then uh, I reached out to one of my old college buddies who lives out in uh, San Francisco now. And he has a, uh, he buys into a cabin in the winter that's out in Tahoe. Uh, by Squaw Valley. So I hit him up and I just bought all my equipment and I flew out there for um, a few days and we went up to the cabin and got some backcountry up in the mountains. And that trip was fun, but really brutal. Uh, I definitely, my boots were a little bit too new to be doing as much as I did out there. And I had blisters for like <laughs> a month. I Not think. fully broken in yet? Uh, not broken <laughs> in at all. Yeah, it was, I should have known better. <laughs> that's I, I need to get a new pair of boots this going into this winter so I'm definitely yeah. going to be looking into because that's one of the things that you can get not in like full bulk is the, yeah. the boots for it and then I need to get new bind I, I either need to get new skis and get bindings for backcountry or I need to replace the bindings on my skis right back there mm -hmm. with backcountry bindings which I, I'll probably end up going the new ski and just have a backcountry ski set up and have a those are all mountain skis so they're great for the uh resorts and uh all of that they can handle anything inbound so thinking of just keeping those for that and then getting a better backcountry big mountain type setup going here soon yeah no, that's a good idea i mean my new skis i i got wider ones so they were better for powder yeah. um that was a big thing and lighter too my my rossies are um they're like decent for a lot of things, but they are definitely heavy. So uh, I decided not to. I also broke one of the skis last winter too. So it wouldn't have been an option anyways, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I, I kind of built up a new set and um, I've been pretty happy with it. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'm excited. You'll have to let me know, uh, you know, how that goes and what you end yeah. up buying. 
I'll, I, I still need to look into it. Like I said, this first winter, I think I'm just going to pretty much stay in bounds. And uh, I, the, the only stuff that I've really done, some of the side country, which uh, um, it's, where is it? Aspen Highlands has the Aspen Highlands Bowl, which yeah. is you can hike to the top of that. And that was kind of like my first little bit of like taste of having to hoof your way up and do, do, do the work to get the turns. Was it brutal? Yeah. Yeah. It it, it doesn't help you. It you take a short little snow cat ride that only takes you like a fifth of the way, and then the rest is just straight up the ridge line, and you're just behind other people just going in the boot marks. Just and then there's a few people that'll be skinning up and they'll skin past you. So skins are definitely and I know that's one of the more expensive things in the setup, right? Uh, skins themselves aren't that expensive i would honestly say like your skis and bindings well, are, yeah. are gonna be uh and then but, the beacon because beacons are pricey but yeah i, I just of, of outside of the skis and bindings which is obviously going to be your yeah. biggest investment in skis because mm-hmm. ski equipment's not cheap <laughs> yeah boots too true. i mean boots are like i mean a good pair of boots is round like decent amount too so yeah yeah, no, I, uh, I, I know that feeling that you had. I, I did that last winter at, uh, when we were in Jackson Hole. Um, we actually went up a couple times, almost to my dismay. I was, it was brutal. Um, we had, especially because the one time we took a route that was pretty much straight up the mountain. Um, so we're like, I'm taking my skis in. I'm at altitude. I'm like huffing and puffing and um, it was just a brutal long ascent up to the top of the mountain to get some of the, uh, to, to uh, go down some of the spines and get some cool skiing at the yeah. top that, um, cause there was uh, still fresh powder up there. So we really wanted to go hit it. Um, but yeah, it's just boot, boot but, tracking up is just <laughs> rough. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, the turns are when you finally get up there, that, that run is just it, even oh, so much so more. <laughs> It's so much more, I feel like it's even more so since you had to work for it, um, that it just is that much more enjoyable almost. Oh yeah. The, the, if we're honestly for anything, it, the, your, uh, the reward is if you, you know, it, it, the harder you work for something, the greater the reward feels. It's yeah. just uh awesome experience. Yeah. So what's, uh, what was I going to say? Um, I guess going forward, what, what are your kind of uh, focuses main? To, Cause you've kind of gotten into a little bit of everything, but what would you yeah. say are like your uh, main focuses going forward with outdoor activities and sports? And mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say, um, and keep in mind part of this is because of the the geography being up in Detroit now. So I kind of have to decide, but I would say, so my winter sport, as you can probably tell is skiing, um, doing that a lot. That's, I don't really plan to be doing much else in the winter, except maybe some climbing training at the gym. Um, I started getting back into that again uh, as well, but, uh, I would really say my main focuses now are probably climbing, skiing and scuba diving. Um, you know, I've still got a little bit of everything else, but those are, those are my main sports at the moment. Um, gotcha. Yeah. And then in the future, I guess, what would be some big, uh, what, what's like a future endeavor, like future trip, like dream, uh, trip that you have in mind that is like a bucket list, uh, trip. Mm. Uh, well, my bucket list is actually ex- really long, um, so definitely not going to run through all of it with you. Um, but uh, back when some at the top of the bucket list. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. It, it um, so that that five week stint that I did in Europe, and when yeah. I was in Switzerland for a little bit, went to Chamonix, and which was just over the border into France, and like the Alps are just so awesome, so cool, great views, and I um. It's, it's really kind of become a dream of mine now to get out there one winter and uh, and get to just maybe spend a month if I can. I it probably won't be that long, but I would love to just stay out there for a little bit and just do some skiing. Um, the mountains there are so different and, um, you know, skiing in Chamonix on the, by the glaciers and 
um, in the Alps by like Geneva. It's just that that's a huge dream of mine is to be able to just get out and get some nice turns in on those on, on those huge mountains. Yeah, no, the they're definitely on my list to get out to the Alps. Is it would be yeah. amazing to be able to ski there. And I know uh, there's a couple really cool like connection. Uh, ski like backcountry routes ski mm -hmm. uh what, what what's the name of that ski discipline ski trekking or something i oh, think it's called cross-country skiing it's not exactly cross-country because you're not you're you're kind of going it is cross-country at times but it's like called ski trekking or something mm -hmm. you can go between two towns in like the alps and you start in one town and you go up and over the mountain and kind of go to the next town over oh so it's like i could yeah I don't know so, what it's called, but and there's like uh um what's it called like little like not exactly huts but like uh log cabins and stuff that like along the way are like your stops, so it's like a multi-day thing, and I think that would be awesome to be able to get to the point where I'd be able to do that out there in the Alps, <laughs> just yeah, spend oh, a couple sure. days going through and doing one of those uh between two cities essentially. Yeah, you should, I mean, do it, man. Like, you, like we said, there, there's no reason not to. Exactly. Um, yeah, and when it's, I stayed, that was the one place during that trip where I, I did stay in Airbnb um, for a couple of days. And uh, there was uh, our host, We because we were talking to her, my buddy I was with at the time, he's also a big skier. He's one of the Colorado guys I mentioned. Um, so we asked our host, like, where's the nearest skiing here? And she said, oh, it just ended a couple of weeks ago. Um, the closest lift is literally a five minute walk up the hill. So you like take your, you take all your gear, you walk out of the house, walk up, catch a lift up. And um, you know, that's just something that you, I, I just don't think you get it anywhere else in the it's, world. You know? Yeah. It's, it's like that small town that, which is how Colorado used to be, but all those small ski towns are now large ski towns. <laughs> and and yeah. everything's become commercialized and it's not like, like you said, like a small little place, five minutes from a lift mm -hmm. in like a small little ski town in the Alps. That's just, it's a little slice of heaven over there. Oh, I feel yeah. like the, the Alps are just a whole nother, like you said, I don't know if it's the starkness or what it is about them that's different than, because uh, I wasn't there in the winter, but, uh, you know, I was there during the summer and it was it was just gorgeous and it's definitely that was before I was really into uh I'd ever skied on mountains before so after skiing in the mountains out here it's like that's the next step or getting up to Alaska and doing heli skiing would be another huge uh yeah <laughs> I would love yeah I I've always wanted to try out heli skiing I have a few friends who found it pretty cheap from through somewhere this winter if they bought a pass to that specific resort i think so I they're like the one, let's just do it yeah it's the uh silver mountain or no uh, i think so something like that something like that it's one of the it's that new like backcountry uh, bluebird right i think it might yeah be. it should be it's the colorado guys so i think and it is out there yeah i think it's run through a company that does heli skiing up in alaska and like heli skiing in colorado and it's a heli skiing company that focuses on backcountry so wow. yeah. yeah i i i saw that i think it's like um if you bought their pass it's like i think the first trip's like a hundred dollars or something yeah like, it's like 90 or 100 yeah yeah it was something like that like whatever their deal is it's actually i mean it's a pretty damn good great deal. Deal. oh yeah, yeah. So. I yeah I wish I told them the other day I was like I was kind of mad at them actually <laughs> I told them like why did you not tell me about this I absolutely would have bought it for this winter um that'd just be such a cool experience but oh yeah, yeah. well um that's pretty much it for the questions and leading on to everything so if you have anything else that you kind of want to say anything else that you want to talk about then uh finish it up then no I mean it. yeah I have uh you know I've got endless stories at this point of you know my outdoor adventures but uh, I guess yeah one thing I would say is for everyone listening is just you know if there's something you've always wanted to try but for whatever reason you haven't or you feel like 
you know, it's just, it's too much logistical planning to, to get out there and do it, or you just have no one who wants to do it with you, you know, just go do it. it, it I know that sometimes it's easier said than done, but, you know, getting out and doing something by yourself, but if you really want to do it, go do it and come back with the stories, tell your friends. And, you know, before you know it, they're all going to be heading out with you to, um, you know, do that skiing or climbing those desert towers. Uh, you know, that that's just how you build your network. I've got people around yeah. the country. I know Mitch does too. And uh, yeah, let's just, just get out there. Yeah. And then I guess one last thing I guess I would ask you is of all your trips so far, what's been like your favorite uh, destination that you've uh, been for any of these outdoor? I know in the, the, in college, you said the one down to the Everglades, Everglades but yeah. uh, outside of that, your trips like for skiing and all those things, do you have one that stands out in like a location that uh, you would suggest that people get to just because of how amazing it was um just an all-around amazing yeah honestly um i guess this is another one of those really loaded questions but um, just in terms of like environment and where i was um not specifically because of the you know the sports and how fun it was for skiing or whatever um honestly utah in general um i've always been a as much as I love the snow, I've always loved the desert and just how peaceful and quiet it is. Um, so plus there's, there's just so many national parks out there. Um, so just get out on a trip for a week and hit up arches and Canyonlands and Zion. And, um, there's just so many beautiful scenic places that you, um, really, there's just nothing like them anywhere else in the world, really. So um, I would say that's just a really special place for me. Um, I definitely plan on going back quite a few more times throughout my life. Um, and yeah, I would say there's just, there's a little bit of something for everyone out there too. So that's another big plus. Um, yeah. Yeah. A bunch of different things that you can do out there. Not just one thing. It's, it's a mix of, I mean, again, yeah. the mountain, the mountains are our, uh, adult playground. <laughs> so hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. But yeah, awesome. Well, I was happy to have you on. Thank you for sharing your story. And this is the end of this episode. So thank you very much for tuning in. I will see you guys next time.